Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome along to this match day 14 recap from La Liga Lowdown, also broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157. I'm your host, Jim McTeer, and we'll have several contributors from across Spain joining us as the show goes on. And as we look back on a weekend where 18 out of the 20 La Liga teams scored at least one goal. For Real Madrid, they scored three goals in a 3-1 victory over Real Sofiedad. Karim Benzema, Fede Valverde, Luka Modric. In that order... And in that order was the phrase of the day, following Gareth Bale's now infamous celebrations as Wales qualified for Euro 2020. You've surely seen the flag and the memes by now, but if not, then let's quickly recap. Basically, a group of Wales fans created a flag that stated that Bale's priorities are Wales, golf and then Real Madrid. In that order. Once Bale and Wales qualified for Euro 2020, that flag made it onto the pitch and in front of Bale and his celebrations next to that flag have not gone down at all well with Real Madrid, where they were already annoyed given that he hadn't featured for his club since before the previous international break in October. That meant that when he came on as a second half substitute against Real Sociedad, the Bernabeu sounded something like this. That was the sound of the Real Madrid fans on Saturday night and they're not happy with Bale. But the forward actually had a good performance during the 25 minutes or so that he was on the pitch. Real Sofidad took a very early lead in this one as Sergio Ramos played a terrible back pass that went to William Jose. He rounded Courtois to put his side 1-0 up but Real Madrid fought back with Karim Benzema and Fede Valverde getting goals either side of half-time. At that point, Bale came on and he did his part putting in the cross that Benzema brought down to assist Modric. For the, third. the fans still aren't happy with Bale, but more performances like this will eventually win most of them back over. Let's now talk about two of Sunday's matches, as we had back-to-back derbies in the Basque Country and Navarre. First up, it was Osasuna against Athletic Club, and the visitors won 2-1 to hand Osasuna their first home league defeat in 32 matches. Let's speak to Bilbao-based Dan Parry now about this. Dan, Osasuna's home record is over, but do you think they can start a new run of remaining undefeated? I don't think it's going to be possible for them to go another almost two, three years without losing a game at home again. But maybe, yeah, maybe five or six games, it's a possibility because El Sadar is a famously difficult place to play and all the clubs in La Liga hate going there. So it's a possibility for sure. 
How impressive a win was this for Athletic Club considering the absences that they had and the fact that Ro Garcia went off injured at halftime? Yeah, it was a rather impressive win for Athletic, especially when you consider that the, the talisman of the club, uh, Munayin, wasn't playing and he was replaced by Sanfet, who was making his debut as a starter. And yeah, losing Raul Garcia was a big, big blow. It forced Athletic and Garitano into making some changes, which actually in the end affected the match in a, in a very positive way. Moving on to Ibar versus Alaves, where two late goals from Alaves substitute Josselu made it a 2-0 win for the visitors. Do you think we generally underestimate the strike power that Alaves have in Lucas Perez and Josselu because they've been scoring a lot of goals between them? I think perhaps we do, but I guess it's only natural. If you look at Lucas Perez and uh, Joselu and look at what they've done over the past two or three years, it's only natural for us to underestimate them. But at the moment, yeah, they're showing us all wrong and probably their goals, it seems as if their goals might actually be sa- might actually save Alaves this season. Dan, which of these two teams is the more inconsistent team, Eibar or Alaves? I would say at the moment you would definitely have to say Eibar. Going into this game, I fully expected Eibar to win this game. If you look at Alaves' away form this season, it hasn't been great at all. I mean, Eibar's home form hasn't been great either, but at the Iparua, in a, what is a derby, you would have expected Eibar to come away with three points there and, and they will be absolutely gutted to have lost this game. Yeah, I probably expected more from Ibar too in front of their own fans. Looking at the atmosphere for these two derbies, what was it like for both games and what is the dynamic like between these teams? Well, as within most past derbies, you probably could have expected that the atmosphere would have been fairly fairly pleasant. They're not These games aren't the sort of games where you go expecting a, an aggressive or violent atmosphere. And when you think of Basque derbies, they're probably not the two games that stick out the most. Although it does have to be said that I have heard that there is quite a lot of niggle between Eibar and Alaves just because they spent a lot of time playing each other in the Segunda Bay and in the Segunda over the years. It's a cool dynamic in my view. There was even a photo during the rounds of the managers sharing a meal together before the game, right? I think what happened is one of the supporters clubs for Eibar were having a celebrate celebratory night for one of the members and the four managers that were there, which were Gaiske Garitano, Asier Garitano, Jose Luis Mendilibar and Jacobo Arresate were invited as special guests and someone took a photo of them together and it's just been spreading like wildfire on Twitter and it's a really good image for Basque football. You know, the night before a big weekend of Basque football for all four managers to be there together enjoying a meal, it it, it looks good for us and, and uh, people have been very proud of it and been very willing to, to speak about their pride in Basque football. Thanks Dan. Let's head to Valencia now to talk to Paco Pollitt about the two matches involving that city's teams. Valencia went away to Real Betis and were drawn 1-1 for ages before Sergio Canales popped up right at the end with a stoppage time free kick to make it a 2-1 win for Betis. It was a tough late loss for Valencia but was this a fair result Paco because Real Betis were really pushing in the closing moments. Definitely can't argue it was unfair because Real Betis were the only team who really tried after the break. Valencia played very well in the first 30 minutes, but in an ironic twist, scoring the first goal was crucial towards their demise. The team suddenly became scared, Betis began pushing and soon the game was leveled once again. I don't really know what happened to Valencia and if it was just a matter of being tired or being conditioned by the large amount of absent players due to injuries, but 
picking up a point was excellent for the bats and unfortunately it didn't happen. You can thank Sergio Canales for that. Sergio Canales, who is a former Valencia player, just like Joaquin, scored the other Real Betis goal. Does it hurt more that it was two ex-Valencia players who scored? Well, it doesn't really hurt more, but um, the truth is that both Joaquin and Canales were signings made back in the day with huge expectations behind and a lot of praise and potential, but they never really lived up to it. In Joaquin's case, he actually was Valencia's most expensive signing ever till a few years ago. Remember, 25 million euros. And Canales, meanwhile, just suffered from very bad luck and two very nasty knee injuries, which never really allowed him to to shine, but I'm actually happy for them being informed right now in Real Betis because they're just excellent lads. We learned that Mangala actually exists in this match. How did he do on his re-debut and was he good enough to deserve more minutes in the coming matches? Um, Mangala, he did quite well, a very decent performance overall, and the fact is that if he was at the top of his game, he would probably be a starter next to Garay and over Paulista and Diakabi. Um... Mangala seemed a bit sluggish when trying to run at top speed and in some of his movements, but he compensated with his great heading abilities and also positioning. So, yeah, I think he should be in Celades' list in upcoming games, especially as injuries just keep piling up for the team. Paco, you were also at Levante versus Mallorca on Friday night where Levante came out as 2-1 winners thanks to a great long-range goal from Ruben Rochina. How impressive a victory was this? For Levante, considering the bad luck we had with injuries during the match and a late red card for Jose Campagna. You see, odds were stacked against both teams because they weren't really that great and the game was pretty boring. But Levante showed an unexpected resilience after not only suffering from three injured players, but also that stupid Campagna red card. And by the way, the player later that night apologized for his childish second booking. But in such a battle of attrition, Ruben Rochina's incredible rocket of a goal, in my view, the best goal of the weekend, he made the difference and the win was very impressive for Levante who are in a great run actually with three wins out of the last four games and 20 points overall. Levante have only lost one home match so far this season against Espanyol. What is so special about the Ciutat de Valencia Stadium? Why are they so strong there? Well, I don't really know, but you could say that the atmosphere is a bit special. Uh, Levante have picked up 14 out of the 21 possible points at home, and there isn't really a real explanation. They just feel more comfortable playing in front of their crowd, and it also might be testament of how loyal the fans are. Because last Friday, I was there, Friday night, it was raining in Valencia, it was very cold, a very unpleasant weather, and there were 15,000 strong in attendance. So, if the team is able to keep the consistency at home, they are on their way to secure their salvation very, very early this season, and that would be pretty great news for the fans and also for the club. Goalkeeper Aitor Fernandez recently signed a new contract and you've praised him before in this podcast. He made some really good saves in this game. Where do you rank him in terms of the goalkeepers in La Liga in 2019-20? And can he make the Spain squad? Well, you know, 
the whole mess in the national team is a bit unfortunate because I don't really think Luis Enrique has the same level of praise for Aitor as Robert Moreno used to have. So his chances of being at some point on the squad, in Spain's squad, they have diminished. But it doesn't really influence the way the player is performing lately. He made a huge save in the 92nd minute, which was amazing. And I rank him definitely within the top five in the league, behind... Um, Ter Stegen, Oblak, Baklic, and more or less in the same level as another very underrated goalkeeper, which is Getafe's David Soria. Thanks, Paco. Well, that's all we've got time for in part one of this Match Day 14 recap. We've already covered five of the games, but there are still five more to look back on, and we'll do that in part two after this short break. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to this week's La Liga Lowdown Match Day 14 recap. The team sitting at the very top of the table right now is Barcelona. 11 points with Real Madrid but ahead of them on goal difference by one goal. Of course, these two teams meet next month in what is becoming a more and more tasty looking classical. This past weekend, it was Leganés that Barcelona had to face. A battle between the team at the bottom of La Liga and the team at the summit. But Barcelona could only manage a narrow 2-1 victory against the basement boys. Yusuf and Nezri put Leganes ahead with a stunning strike and it took two goals from set pieces for Barcelona to turn it around. Luis Suarez turned in the equaliser from a messy free kick into the box. Arturo Vidal then pounced to get the winner at a corner. Just like this victory, the winning goal wasn't pretty as it needed a lucky bounce off a Leganes player and then a scruffy finish from a yard out from Vidal. Let's bring in Roman de Arquer now to analyse this game. Roman, I want to get your general thoughts on this because... Barcelona didn't look like a team 
that's top of the table. And Leganes didn't look like a team that's bottom of the table. Absolutely. Um, we have to give credit to Leganes, I think, because their performance was very solid. Um, also credit to Aguirre, who's just uh, arrived to the team, and you can tell he's uh, making things work, at least in defense, because Leganes, let's not forget, they're the last uh, team in the standings, and usually the last team is very bad defending, whereas this team looked pretty solid at the back. And also in attack, they created a lot of chances. Barca's defense was under a lot of struggle in those quick counterattacks through Nesiri, Braithwaite, Oscar Rodriguez. Whereas Barcelona on the other side um, don't look like the first team at all, as they haven't looked like the first team in all of the season. Arturo Vidal came on in the second half and scored the winner. He was actually awarded the King of the Match award. Was he really that important? Well, I mean, Arturo Vidal is perfect for these sort of games where he comes in the second half and kind of starts a revolution because let's not forget that Barca in the first 45 minutes were very, very poor, very dull, lack of creativity and ideas and a lack of energy that Arturo Vidal did provide in that second half. And if apart from that he gets um, that goal, he stands out even more than usual. So I think it's it's deserved because when Arturo Vidal comes on the field, you can always see the team clicks and, and, and provides a different attitude and extra energy. So I think Vidal deserves this credit because he's a very important team to have to change games for Barcelona. We mentioned that both of Barcelona's goals came from set pieces. Six of their past seven goals have come from set pieces actually and not open play. That's not very Barcelona-like, is it? Yeah, it's not something you usually expect from Barcelona, but with Valverde, I think, um, in these last few years, we've improved a bit in that aspect, and that game was a good example of that. Uh, from Messi's free kick, Luis Suárez was very intelligent to getting away from his defender and just slotting it in past uh, Cuellar. And in that corner kick, it has to be said, we were a bit lucky, but Arturo Vidal was at the right place at the right time, and thankfully he got that 2-1 for Barcelona. They had to start with Musa Wage and Ginger Firpo as the fullbacks. How did they perform? Well, none of them really stood out in this game, but I mean, I can't blame them taking into account the whole team was quite bad in general. So it's hard, I guess, to perform well when your teammates aren't uh, playing a great game. But from Junior Firpo, for example, I kind of expect a lot more, to be honest. Uh, we still haven't seen that uh, Junior we saw under Kike Setien's management in Betis. He's still far from that version. Whereas Wage, taken into account, he doesn't have that much experience in first division. and hasn't played that many games. Um, I think he was quite decent. He was looking to provide in attack, trying to combine with Dembele when they were both on the right. Although it has to be said, Dembele wasn't very accurate at that point until he moved towards the left where he was way better. But I think Wage was quite decent and he, he deserves another chance, I'd say, in the next game. Although um, Valverde will probably bet on Sergi Roberto against Atletico de Madrid. Sergio Busquets picked up a yellow card and is now suspended for the match against Atletico Madrid next weekend. How significant in an absence will that be and how will Ernesto Valverde solve that? Well, I mean, Busquets has been very consistent this season, it has to be said. He's played really good performances. But I just know that we have Frankie de Jong, who can play in Busquets' position, who is also a very reliable player, who is so talented. And I don't think we'll struggle too much um, having the Dutchman there. Also, Arthur should be back in the starting eleven for this game alongside uh, Frankie. And we should have Rakitic or Arturo Vidal, which are also very good players. So I think we have a very good backup for this situation and we should um, not struggle too much in that midfield with um, these players starting against Atletico. Thanks, Roman. We'll look forward with anticipation to that Atletico Madrid versus Barcelona game, which will come after an exciting week of Champions League football. And it's Champions League football that Sevilla hope to be playing next season. Right now, they're very much on track because they're in third place 
in the table. An early ever Benega penalty in their trip to Real Valladolid proved to be enough for Julian Lopetegui's side to win again and they've proven to be a real handful this campaign in La Liga. For now, Sevilla will be in Europa League action this midweek as will Espanyol and Itafi who faced each other at the RCDE Stadium on Sunday lunchtime. It was a very entertaining 1-1 draw as Jaime Mata and Wule both got on the score sheet. Espanyol season ticket holder Jeff Gellingham was there and he joins us now to analyse the match. It was a draw and this means that it was Espanyol's first home point of the La Liga season. It was well overdue but I want to know Jeff, is there a bittersweet feeling because Espanyol could have probably won this game? Well, um, after the game, there was a, quite a lot of frustration just because just looking at our La Liga form this season, it's been dreadful, uh, especially at home. Uh, there were some fans chanting, vamos a segunda, like we're going to segunda. It's such a strange one because you've got some fans who realise that Machine is early into his role and to learn his system is going to take a bit of time, but... Then you've got others who are already sort of thinking he'll be gone by Christmas. What you've described sounds like a pretty negative atmosphere. What has the atmosphere been like in general at the RCD Stadium this season? Well, I think as many people have probably seen on social media, we've been hitting roughly 50% attendance. So in a 40,000-seat stadium, looking at 20,000, there was quite a bit of optimism coming into the season just because like, obviously we qualified for Europa League last year. And even though we lost Borja Iglesias and Mario Musso, there was kind of the sense that we've largely kept the same group of players together. But with Gallego, even though he's a man of the house, as they'd say in Spain, the anger towards him just grew with every week and every bad result. It kind of felt inevitable that he was going to be shown the door at some point. And then Machin, when, when Machin first took over, I thought, Right, we've got the perfect players to sort of play the system. But as the weeks have gone on, it hasn't really evolved too much. We still lack a lot of the creativity we need. And it just sort of looks like he's just biding his time until January arrives. But I'm sure just before January, the board will evaluate Machine just to sort of see how things are going. Until then, all we can try and do is just pick up some positive results and try and move in the same direction like the fans, the players, the management, just all as one and without letting the sort of disappointment of recent months sort of create uh, rifts between everyone. It was Wu Lei who got the goal his first in La Liga and just his third overall this season. Is more expected of him? Uh, the thing with Wu Lei is he, he played really well in the front two with Borja Iglesias towards the end of last season in the 4-4-2 narrow diamond. But then under Gallego, he was told to play as a right winger and you could just see his confidence every week was just getting lower and lower. And then with Machin, he sort of plays this right wing striker hybrid role where he alternates between the two. Um, so again, it's just the change of system has been a big problem for us, but also the lack of chances that we create because he's not having the same opportunities he was last season. Um, so I think... Although, as fans, we probably do expect more of him, a lot of it's sort of out of his hands because he's having to play a position that, in my opinion, isn't his best. Uh, he's, he's best in a front two with a big striker alongside him. So whether that's Caleri or Ferreira, but Caleri seems to always be injured and Ferreira is nowhere near as mobile as Borja Iglesias. Like, 
in terms of just being a pure finisher, yeah, maybe there's not too much between them. But Borja worked so hard for the team and he would draw de defenders away, which would enable Wule to make the runs that he wanted to and have more open space. It doesn't sound good at all at Espanyol from what Jeff is saying there. Thanks for the update, Jeff. Let's now talk a bit about one of the other coaches in La Liga, Oscar Garcia at Celta Vigo. He enjoyed his first victory in his second match in charge of the Galician side, and it was mainly down to a familiar figure. Yes, Iago Aspas was on hand to score twice for Celta Vigo as they earned something of a shock victory away at Villarreal. The first goal was actually scored by Pioni Sisto, the forgotten man in Vigo. The Denmark international, he'd hardly featured for Celta Vigo before Oscar Garcia came in. Now he seems to be an important part of the club's plans. After the bizarre confession in springtime from Sisto where he claimed he'd only eaten fruit for 21 days. Yes, that happened. After that, he was a fringe player to start the season under Fran Escriba, playing just 72 minutes across the 12 matches Escriba was in charge for. But now he's already racked up more than double that, 154 minutes in the two games under Oscar Garcia. And it's not because of injuries or anything like that. Sisto really does seem to be in the new boss's plans. And his opening goal at Villarreal will have helped raise his stock even higher. Yeah, Raspa, so he was the real hero. After Villarreal replied to Cecil's goal with a Samuel Chikwese goal, Aspas popped up with a late brace to make it a 3-1 victory and to take the three points back to the other side of the country. Celta Vigo, they do remain in the relegation zone, but there's a lot more optimism around them now than there was just a few weeks ago. Atletico Madrid visited Granada on Saturday evening and it finished in yet another draw for Diego Simeone's side. 1-1 it was as Herman Sanchez equalised for Granada shortly after Renan Lodi's first ever Atletico goal. It's now seven La Liga draws for Atletico Madrid this season. That's half their matches and no other team in the division has more. Only Osasuna also have seven draws. It's a problem for Atletico because you can't really draw your way to a league title. It's encouraging for when knockout football comes around as they've only lost one game in the league all season. They're the kind of team that will be tough to eliminate, but they've got to start turning their one-point games into three-point hauls. Next up is Barcelona though, so it doesn't get any easier. Well, that's everything for this Matchday 14 recap. I've been your host, Drew McTeer, and my thanks go out to contributors Dan Parry, Paco Pollitt, Roman de Arker, and Jeff Gillingham. Thanks to you for listening. We'll be back next Monday with our next Matchday recap. So speak to you again very soon. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.